Okay, let's get it. It is Locked on LSU, your team every day. Tuesday edition, Tigers back on the practice field Monday. We'll recap that. A slew of players returning. Tigers will be back on the practice field today, Tuesday. Also, we'll get to your Q&A. Let's start with uh, the most notable player returning to practice on Monday, and that is LSU senior quarterback Joe Burrow. He had missed Friday's practice, did not participate in Saturday's scrimmage due to a minor injury. While Ed Ogeron did not um, elaborate on what Joe Burrow's injury was, um, we got a little bit of an insight from uh, Jacoby Stevens, who uh, met with the media before practice on Monday. When he gets hit, it's not silent because Coach O really kind of gets onto us. We just got to see how the quarterback, man. He he is our he's our star player. He's our starting quarterback, and he's going to do really nice things and really good things for uh, this offense. Like I said, I think. In fact, I think Joe is the most improved from one year one at LSU to year two. Like I said, his his uh, him in the pocket has changed. Uh, he gets the ball out quicker. He dissects the defense even faster than he did last year. So I'm really excited to see what Joe's going to do. As are most Tiger fans, but go back to what Jacoby Stevens said there at the beginning. We got to stay off the quarterback. Um, that's kind of the, some of the scuttlebutt that, um, and even there's been a player named the one who who uh, hit Joe Burrow in practice last week, despite wearing a no contact jersey. Um, senior linebacker who just switched positions uh, appears to be the culprit, uh, Michael Divinity. But look, it's Joe Burrow wanted to play in the scrimmage by all accounts. He wanted to be out there, but it's one of those things where you hold him out for precaution. It was uh, reported to be a rumor to be a shoulder uh, injury, but look back out there, 100 percent. No, no big deal. Joe Burrow is going to take much bigger hits uh, throughout the course of the, the 2019 season. But it's great to see him back out there. Also returning, a Christian Fulton, a Jamal Pettigrew. The tight end was out there as well for the first time. Trey Palmer, freshman wide receiver. He's practiced for the first time uh, in fall camp. Apparently he had been in a, uh, in a, a, a car wreck and um, kind of had a little bit of a, a banged up knee. So, but uh, he's back out there now. Uh, Charles uh, Turner, the uh, second team center, returned to practice as well. Uh, TK McClendon was out there, the uh, backup tight end. I mean, just some look, Devontae Lee returned to practice. Dre Jenkins was there as well. So, a lot of the guys that, um, that had missed time Nelson Jenkins, Neil Farrell, Manny Netherly, a lot of guys that had missed time were all back. So, it, it goes back to the point about what some of it had asked, any concern about all these injuries. And my point all along was, no, 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 no. There's, there isn't really a concern over these injuries because Ed Ogeron, if, if nothing else, is always candid about these injuries. So if, if somebody were really injured or something were going on, he's shown you, he'll tell you. He'll be, he'll, he will disclose that information. So really the two now you're waiting on are Caleb Von Chasson and Grant Delpit. Talked about it yesterday. What I've been told with Delpit is that it was a hamstring, and it's one of those things where you do not rush a player back off of the hamstring, especially a player like Grant Delpit. You give him as much time as he needs to get as close to 100% as possible, and you you roll through there. Um, there were a couple of new players missing from practice on Monday. Uh, Damian Lewis, your starting right guard, was gone for the first time. A backup tackle, Badara Traora, was also gone. And Ed Ogeron has said Traora is the number three tackle. So you've got Sadiq Charles and Austin Deculus, and then the number three guys, Traora, who could play either of those spots. So it's, according to the reports, the first offensive line during drills had 
Lloyd Cushenberry at center. It had Charles and Deculus as your tackles, but your starting guards were Adrian McGee at left and Donovan Campbell at right. Um, <clears throat> your second-team offensive line was uh, Dar Rosenthal, Cam Wire, Turner at center, Cardell Thomas at right guard, and then Anthony Bradford at right tackle. So you can read into this a, a bit that the veteran guys, McGee and Campbell, might be running ahead of Cardell Thomas here because coming into fall camp, the thought was Jason Hines and Cardell Thomas were going to battle for that starting left guard job. But it's pretty clear Adrian McGee, who's a veteran swingman who's played on both sides of the line, played guard and tackle, might be, not might be, is your most experienced reserve lineman. And Donovan Campbell's a guy who played as a true freshman a few years back, but has battled some injuries, some off the field issues that's really stunted his development. But he might be a guy, and he, look, he's a big physical mauler. Like, he drew comps when he was coming out of high school at Ponchatoula. He drew comps to Trey Turner. So you're talking about that kind of mauler on the inside. I ideally, you're going to find the best guy of McGee, Campbell, Hines, Thomas to win that left guard spot. And maybe it's, as of now, the veteran in, uh, in Adrian McGee if Chase and Hines is uh is unable to go. But all things considered, Tigers are getting healthier. You know, yeah, yeah, double dig digit guys return to practice who have missed time. It's one of those things as you go through fall camp, you're just cautious with guys. And as we talked about a week ago, Ed Ogeron just he leaves practice open. He lets guys come in. He lets the media comes in. He he talks about it. So you're going to have more disclosure about guys missing time for small injuries or not than you would if practice was closed. So uh, all things I look at it and I go, all right, get Delpit and Chasson back. You're as close to 100% as possible. You fi uh, figure out who's going to start for you at left guard, and you're about as whole as you're going to be heading into that, uh, that week one game against Georgia Southern, and more importantly, week two when you're on the road at Texas. All right, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day. We'll knock out a quick break. break. A couple more sound bites from uh, some players during the media availability. We'll let you hear from Braden Fajoko, also Lenard Fournette, when we come back. And uh, Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated with a uh, quick thought on LSU's Week 2 game at Texas. All that as we continue. Locked on LSU, your team every day. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We continue Locked on LSU, your team every day. Remember, fantasy football players, make sure you're listening to Vinny Iyer and Locked on Fantasy Football. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else because you're basically the same. Uh, get the edge from Vinny. That'll put you ahead on draft day and all season long. Locked on Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. This is Locked on LSU, and glad you're hanging out with us here. Um, I mentioned yesterday we had a family situation, missed a couple of shows last week. One of the things that happened last week is we had updated Vegas odds from the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas, and uh, they updated the point spreads on a handful of LSU games for the upcoming season. 
uh, maybe surprising to me was the Auburn game. LSU was a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Auburn, but a touchdown favorite over Florida, uh, eight-and-a-half-point favorite over Texas A&M in Baton Rouge, um, just about a six-and-a-half-point favorite over Mississippi State on the road, 16-point underdog at Alabama. But the one that caught most people's attention is Week 2 at Texas, where you know, early in this offseason there were some uh, odds makers projecting the line would be around uh, LSU as a touchdown favorite. Uh, a few months ago, the Westgate Superbook and other spots in Las Vegas had LSU as a three-point favorite. Well, apparently a lot of money has come in on the home team as that game, the LSU-Texas game, is now a pick em. And there's a lot of reasons that that makes sense. Um, it's a road game for LSU. It's a, it's a home game for Texas. It's not a neutral site. Uh, you got a veteran quarterback in Sam Ellinger who 25 touchdowns, just five picks a year ago. Solid, consistent player, made a lot of plays, now entering his third year as a starter. And then Tom Herman, his record as an underdog has been fantastic. Um, he is 13-2 uh, and two against the spread with 10 outright wins as an underdog as a head coach. Now the question begs, if the line keeps moving and Texas becomes a favorite, does that flip the whole perception of, uh, of this matchup in Week 2? Uh, Ross Dellinger formerly covered LSU for The Advocate now, the uh, uh, college football national college football writer for Sports Illustrated, he joined uh, off the bench on Tuesday morning with Jordan Collada and T. Bob Bear and gave a thumbnail on that Week Two game at Texas. This would have been for me a, a somewhat easier call to make if the game were in Tiger Stadium. Yeah. you know, because I, I think I think that uh, the LSU has has got probably all around the better team, um, specifically on defense. Um, I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, however, um, you know, it's going to be a night game in Austin, you know, on the road and everything. And LSU's putting in this new offense. It's just going to be week two. Um, it, w- it, would be, it would be huge if, if LSU could, could come out of there with a win. And I think it would, in a way, surprise a little bit of people just because, again, you're on a road in a hard environment. you got this new offense and everything. Um, you know, I, I'm real concerned. I don't know about you guys. Steve, <laughs> this is right up here, Alex. I'm real concerned about LSU's offensive line. You know, it feels yeah. like every year I go into the season concerned about LSU's offensive line. But as you know, T-Bob, you're going to get back there and throw it around like they're talking about throwing it around. Man, you better be able to block, right? So, yeah. I mean, that that is the real concern. And, and you know, uh, T-Bob on the road in a hostile environment, it's loud and everything. It's pretty much harder on the quarterback slash offensive line than, than any other position, you know? So, it's um, that – that would that that's one right now. I still have not picked that game. I, I have not. I, I don't know who's going to win yet. But like I said, it would be Tiger Stadium. I would I would pick LSU because I do think that all around that they have the better team. I know LSU fans are feeling supremely confident about that game in Week Two. A lot of people poo pooing Texas, maybe as you know the sort of the the national darling. Maybe kind of how people felt about Miami a year ago. But Miami wasn't very good, and in large part they weren't very good because. They lost a lot from their defense. It was you know, the turnover chain defense from two years ago. And then also their quarterback, Malik Rozier, from a year ago just wasn't very good. Sam Ellinger is a good player, and this is a true road game for LSU. So I do think that that point spread, you know, field goal, pick them that range, is probably about right uh, for this ballgame. I think it is going to be a very close ballgame. Here's hoping LSU makes the plays it needs to make late uh, to get out of there with a win. A couple of other things that were interesting uh, from player availability on Monday – we got to hear from Braden Fajoko, who uh, had a fumble return for about 40 yards in uh, the scrimmage on Saturday, but he did not score. 
uh, an unlikely player caught him from behind. Uh, he tells a story about being run down by a quarterback. You know, I start taking off downfield and I'm running, and uh, the ball, I got the ball in one hand, and um, I just see everybody on the sideline just start running too. And everybody kind of clowns on me about it because Miles Brennan caught me. But in my defense, Miles is a quarterback. A quarterback supposed to be faster than a defensive tackle. Um, I'm 290 pounds, 285 pounds, and so if Miles doesn't catch me, then that's a problem. He's supposed to catch me. You know, I wanted Miles to get some, you know, get some hitting in too, because we can't hit him. So he's got to get some type of physical tackling in in practice. And so I let him tackle me. I mean, I could have scored. I could have made, you know, the defense look good. But you know, I was thinking of the team. I thought about Miles. Thought he had to get a couple hits in, and so, you know. Get real, bro. Fat guy touchdowns. It's what every fat guy lives for. And Fajoko missed his opportunity because it got run down by a quarterback. Um, let's hope he's got some real world or real game opportunities coming up uh, here in uh, three weeks or so. Also, interesting to hear from Lennard Fournette. You know, when he signed, it was basically assumed that he got that spot because he was Leonard's brother, and it was sort of the the tip to Leonard would, was okay. We'll give a spot to your brother also. Well. Lennard has hung around now, entering his senior season. He actually had the first touch of the season a year ago and is proven to be one of those backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield and be kind of versatile. But Lennard Fournette met with the media and talked about living in Leonard's shadow. Uh, it, it don't really bother me as much, like, believe it or not. You have a lot of outsiders that says, you know, I'm a shadow. Like, how, how does it feel to be in the shadows? A lot of people ask me that, but like I said, I never did look at it that way. I always did my own thing. As a Louisiana guy, it's easy to pull for Lennard. As a legacy, it's easy to pull for Lennard. And he's a guy who's proven he can actually scoot a little bit when he gets his opportunity. I just wonder how that opportunity is going to come this year because of so many options with Clyde Edwards-Elair, with Ty Davis-Price and John Emery, the freshman, coming in, Chris Curry, and then Lennard Fournette. That makes five. You know, he's – while – he does have seniority if we're talking about a true meritocracy. The other four guys sort of just have a more dynamic skill set, at least three of the four. Maybe Fournette a nose ahead of Curry. But uh, I don't know exactly how Leonard Fournette's role fits into this offense, uh, considering there's there's now a bit of a logjam there at tailback, even without one dominant guy. But maybe it's a scenario where if one guy doesn't emerge and they try to keep fresh legs – then you can see him have a role. I, I've said this many times. I'll say it again. If you want, in my opinion, to look at what LSU running back statistics will look like at the end of the season, I think you go back to that 2011 season where LSU had five running backs contribute, and then Jordan Jefferson went, uh, you know, ran for several hundred yards that year from the quarterback spot. So I think it's going to be one of those situations where you have five or six guys all with more than 100 rushing yards on the season you probably are paced by two guys like that year with Michael Ford and Spencer Ware. I think you're very likely looking at Clyde Edwards-Elair and one of the freshmen, either Ty Davis-Price or John Emery, and then you have other guys that contribute as well to give fresh legs and spell. But if you want to go – this will be a very interesting exercise at the end of this year. I, LSU I don't think has a 1,000-yard rusher, but I think you will look at the stat sheets from 2011 and this year and it will look almost identical from the running back spot. All right, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day. We'll wrap it up next. Wrapping up another edition of the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. Two quick notes as we get on down the road. Uh, LSU hoops yesterday, they were a wheels up for Spain. So the Tigers um, will uh, 
they landed today, Tuesday, Tuesday morning, uh, at local time in Spain. They will be in Spain until August 22nd. Class begins August 26th. So they've got about 10 days overseas. Uh, on the 15th, they will play uh, the Valencia All-Star Squad. They'll play again on the 17th, and then they'll play on the 20th and the 21st before coming home on the 22nd. So, again, they'll play on Thursday, the 15th, their first game. Then they'll play again on Saturday, the 17th. They'll have a couple of days off, do sightseeing and whatnot. Then on Tuesday and Wednesday, they'll play um, at 10 a.m. and 5 a.m. Central Time those two days. So four games for the Tigers. They'll be uh, overseas for 10 days in Spain. And uh, we wish them well as the Tigers will play uh, some uh, Spanish All-Star teams while they're overseas. Also, I failed to mention this yesterday and wish that I had, but uh, Paul Maneri was in uh, Los, a Los Angeles over the weekend, and uh, he received the 2018 Rod Dato Award, and he received it Saturday night in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium, and it recognized his performance last summer as the head coach of the USA Collegiate National Team. So it was prior to the Dodgers game against the Diamondbacks, uh, Tommy Lasorda and uh, Eric Campbell, who is the uh, USA Baseball General Manager, made the presentation to Paul Maneri. Uh, name uh, of the award, the Rod Dato Award, named after, of course, legendary USC and Olympic head coach Rod Dato, who won 11 national titles. Um, and he was instrumental in creating the the annual USA versus Japan friendly series uh, in 1972. Uh, he coached, Dato did Team USA to silver medal in the 84 Olympics and is also in the uh, the College Baseball Hall of Fame. So uh, Maneri is the second LSU coach to receive the honor uh, Skip Bertman won it after he coached the 1996 uh, U.S. Olympic team in the uh, 96 Olympics in Atlanta. So uh, Jim Leland won the award in 2017. Uh, some great names, George Horton, Willie Randolph, uh, Andy Stankwitz, Bob Cooper, Scott Brocious. Uh, you've had some um, amazing um, uh, award winners for the uh, the Rod Dato Award. Congrats to, to Coach Paul Maneri, who's won 1,455 games in, in his career uh, 37 years as a collegiate head coach, of course, the 2009 National Championship, and now a recipient of the 2018 Rod Dato Award. He received it Saturday night in L.A. at the at Dodger Stadium. So congrats to Coach Maneri. Okay, we are going to put a button here on uh, this edition of the Locked in LSU podcast. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another practice recap after the Tigers hit the practice field again as we inch closer 18 days away from kickoff in Tiger Stadium against Georgia Southern. Have a great one. It's Locked in LSU, your team every day.